You're listening to Secrets of Data Analytics Leaders. Thank you for joining our latest episode of Secrets of Data Analytics Leaders. This is today's host, Kevin Petrie, VP of Research here at Eckerson Group. COVID, inflation, broken supply chains, and unfortunately, not so distant war make this a pretty turbulent time for today's consumer. During times like these, families tend to their nests, which leads to lots of home improvement projects, which means, among other things, a lot of painting. So today we're going to explore the case study of a Fortune 500 producer of the paints and stains that coat many households, consumer products, and even mechanical vehicles. While their businesses expand, this particular company needs to carefully align the records that track hundreds of suppliers, thousands of storefronts, and millions of customers. Business expansion and complex supply chains make it particularly important and challenging for enterprises such as this paint producer, which we'll call bright colors, to accurately describe the entities that make up their business. They need governed, validated data that'll describe entities such as their products, locations, and most importantly, customers. Master Data Management, also known as MPM, streamlines operations and assists data governance by reconciling disparate data records into a golden record and ideally a single source of truth. So I'm excited for our conversation today with an industry expert that helps Bright Colors and other Fortune 2000 enterprises navigate these turbulent times with effective strategies for MDM and data governance. Dave Wilkinson is Chief Technology Officer with D3 Clarity, a global strategy and implementation services firm that seeks to ensure digital certainty, security, and trust. D3 Clarity is a partner of Samarki, whose intelligent data hub software helps enterprises govern and manage master data, as well as reference data, handle data quality, enrichment, and workflows. Samarki sponsored this podcast. In our podcast, we'll explore why Bright Colors needs MDM and data governance and how they implemented an effective strategy to succeed in those areas. So for starters, Dave, welcome. Perhaps you can introduce yourself and your background and your role here at D3 Clarity. Thank you, Kevin. I'd be delighted and thank you for having me on the podcast. This is uh, very exciting for us at D3 Clarity. So I'm Dave Wilkinson. I've spent 25 years in software development across the world. Grew up in Europe and came to the US and I've worked pretty much on every continent across the world. Uh, developing both data integration, analytics, and data management platforms for large and small organizations. So I've worked in multiple markets and across multiple industries. We started D3 Clarity about seven years ago, focusing on really trying to exploit data and the data footprint of organizations as a strategic asset. As we came out and with big data and out of the data analytics world, we started to look at the more data that people are creating and the more data that people are putting in this footprint, how can we really drive value from that? It's not a matter of just putting all the data in one place and magically you know things. You actually have to work and understand that data in order to drive that value. So we started D3 Clarity on the back of many years of experience with an experienced staff working in this space through data integration and data analytics using the tools that most clients have already purchased. So we're not trying to offer a, a another silver bullet or a technology. We're trying to really drive from the investment that people have already made 
using the tools that they choose to really drive the value in the data and the value in the evolving platforms as we go forward. So that's great. So Dave, so tell us about Bright Colors, the primary business and data challenges that they were facing them. When you first sat down with this client, what did they tell you? What was the problem to solve? So from your introduction, Kevin, I was just listening to that and thinking, yeah, we do live in a turbulent and unpredictable world, and it seems to get ever more increasingly so, as you articulated. And this is experienced by all Fortune 5000 or Fortune 2000 companies, bright colors included. So when we first sat down with them, what they were really trying to do is drive predictability into their business and get a handle on how the data that they collect across a very large, very diverse business across the world. I think they serve over 100 markets across the world. How can they get a handle on that? They're a very successful business, so it's difficult to say that they aren't doing it right or they're doing something wrong. Realistically, it was a transition from a account-focused business to a customer-focused business and starting to look at their supply chain and their customer chain and starting to look at how can they garner more intelligence from the way they address the markets and pull together what is an extremely complex customer base into this structure. So we were faced with questions really like, you know, we have a global manufacturer as a client. We don't know what our complete position is with them. How can we pull together all the intelligence that is embedded within the information that we do collect on every transaction to pull together this complete picture and start to really drive intelligence and drive better decision making out of this data. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so it sounds like the benefit both has a cost benefit because you're managing things more efficiently, avoiding bad data, bad decisions based on faulty views of customers. But you're also potentially creating upside because you can identify new opportunities based on higher granularity views of customers. Yeah, absolutely. We usually see that at MDM systems often are focused on the cost saving and efficiency. There is a significant amount where this intelligence can be used to drive top line revenue improvements, particularly in understanding the customer base, understanding cross sell and upsell type opportunities and expansion opportunities, understanding the, if you're operating with an organization in one market, can you operate with that organization in another market? Can you cross sell from one finish to another finish? How can you drive that? And so this is key, not only is it in the efficiency, but it is indeed in that upsell and that revenue generating focus. So maybe you could help us understand sort of a, an example here. What's a way in which they need to understand customers better? So one way you can understand customers better is simply looking at the organizations that make up that customer base. We often find that organizations treat their customers as discrete units, and a discrete unit is a, you know, an account. But really, that you might end up with a thousand accounts for the same customer because you don't know exactly because people do present different names. They trade with different organizations, especially in different countries and so on. So often understanding a customer base better 
is looking at the organizations that make up that customer base and bringing all those accounts in under a known organization. Furthermore, organizations are not simple in and of themselves, right? An organization itself can have subsidiaries, they can have parent organizations, they can have franchises, they can have various constructs in relationship with each other. They can also have multiple locations. So if I've got a location in Texas and a location in Louisiana, are those, do those represent as different organizations or as the same organization? Am I providing or am I getting the benefit from having a broader relationship with an organization? So when you look at a customer base, there are patterns and there are structures within that customer base that really starts to draw out some of the depth and color within that structure. If you look at a automotive example, for it, then you know, certainly for a company like Bright Colors, they might sell the paints for the manufacturing of the vehicle, but they're also a wide network of distributors, repair shops, etc that have to have the same blessed colors across that set. So you're starting to see complex relationships and complex structures within the customer base and within the way that bright colors can serve that customer base effectively and efficiently. Does that help? Yeah. And so who within the organization was leading this charge? Who is the executive sponsor or driver of this effort to kind of right the ship, improve the granularity of customer views? So. Within Bright Colors, this is one of the areas where I think Bright Colors did a, an excellent job, is they had already founded data governance structure across the organization, and they'd spent a lot of time, even before we started down this project, working on making sure the data governance, what data needed to be governed, and the business units that were participating in the data governance structure. So they had spent a lot of time building that executive awareness and that executive structure and rolling that up to a centralized organization. Having said that, beyond that, there was a lot of involvement by both finance professionals and sales professionals. Those were the two primary groups. One in terms of, from a finance point of view, how can I get my financial reporting better across the entire organization and generally my reporting better for every structure to start to say who are our top five customers who are our next five who are growth customers who are declining customers etc so, so they wanted to get a good picture of that and of course that cascades then into the sales organization who are really going to start to take this in, this intelligence and address the market in a different way if appropriate so those were the two driving organizations for Bright Colors through this centralized data governance. And they'd spent a lot of time truly trying to work through and defining what is a customer and what does this customer mean to Bright Colors. So that was where that, that came together. Okay. And so you've got the sales and the finance executives who are pushing the central governance organization to make these changes. So now if we drill down some what were the resulting requirements for data quality and for master data? So that's an evolving set, right? So there's a movement within Bright Colors where this is continuing to evolve through this 
picture, right? Because they didn't know what they didn't know when they started. And that's often a recurring theme in clients that we serve as well. So if we drill down now into the requirements, what are the resulting business or really the technical requirements for data quality and master data? Okay. So the re resulting requirements became a view of can we collect the data from the transactional systems, largely ERP systems? And for bright colors, this was 25 plus ERP systems from different markets around the world based off of different technology stacks. So that's a complex set of data with different fundamental structures because they all support their different go-to-market models in the different theaters of operation. So that was the first sort of technical requirement, just gathering that data. And then it was doing large amount of data science and analytics on that data set to truly understand what the evidence was in that data and understand how that data could come together to describe the same fundamental points, which is who as an external purchasing entity has purchased from bright colors, right? So we had to go through all that data and understand that construct and pull that together to start to say, this set of data looks like it is describing a relationship with the same external organization, the same party, if you like. And so getting into that structure and then starting to apply data quality, starting to look at, do we have a trusted legal name? Do we know that this party is a subsidiary of that party? How can we pull that together? So this led to a set of requirements that starts to say, yes, let's pull this data in. Let's use all this data. And this data starts to describe about 40 million different accounts, different structures, and really start to distill it into a highly refined set of data that we think from the patterns in the data describe a set of unique customers. Does that help? Does that make sense to you? Yeah. And so there's the tool focused aspect of bringing together the data, matching and merging and enriching. There's also the inevitable changes related to people and process to address these requirements. I'd love to hear more about the people in the process side of the dimension. What had to change in order to create these reconciled data views? So not a lot had to change in the first round, but you're absolutely right. The From a technology point of view, bringing in the data, understanding it, and understanding the matching and the merging and the way that this data describes similar things was absolutely critical from a technical point of view. As we go forwards and as we start to take advantage of this data, there are significant changes that are being introduced into Bright Colors now, right? So it's kind of, we've pulled together this data from what they have from this large cadre of, of information, and now we're starting to present back to the business the information necessary so that changes can be made. So the question, the changes that are being asked are things like, how can we collect data differently, better in different theaters around the world so that data, when we bring it together, is of higher quality? Of course, that's got implications not only within the IT organization, but the implications reach a long way because you start to ask questions around, well, if I've got a line of people in a store, if they aren't prepared to give me the data, do I stop the sale? 
And so there's questions in the business, not only on the data quality, but the way the business drives and the business moves and changes. Remember that the data is really only produced as a byproduct of actually doing business and selling, in this case, paint. And so everything the data describes is something that happened in the real world. So when you start to look at this change, you have to look at the whole business process and the whole cycle. Okay. It sounds like there was no significant organizational changes that they put into place. Is that right? This was more a, a question of change in process and certain job descriptions. You're correct. I mean, after creating the centralized, as I said, the centralized data governance organization, yep. there haven't been any big changes within Bright Colors yet. They're looking at procedural changes, process changes, data changes within that to allow people to operate better and allow the small changes with big effects. So it's things like, can they ensure in their sales process that they do collect legal name, that they do connect, collect unique identifiers so that the data comes together better? Very subtle, small changes that do affect the outcome when you get into a reporting construct to know exactly how data is related to each other and then using those reports. So we anticipate sort of a snowball effect as we move through this. Remember that they've also started with a centralized data quality organization and most organizations, bright colors included, have a goal to actually disseminate some of this procedural change back out to the business as data becomes more relevant to every part of the business. Does that help? Yeah, okay. So now going down another level, what does the data architecture, the data environment look like? And where does this murky intelligent data hub fit in? You mentioned about 30 ERP systems, I think distributed through the business units and needing to consolidate and reconcile data sets. But um, maybe talk a little bit more about the architecture. Yeah, so the architecture is pretty diverse within Bright Colors. They do have, as I said, about 25 to 30 ERP systems that run their core businesses around the world based off of Oracle and other technologies. They've also got a large, not only a B2B business, but they've also got a large B2C business. So there's point of sale systems as well, which are very granular in terms of the data that they collect. So you've got the sort of, if we look at the data for a minute, you've got the data from big corporate customers, you've got the data from small business customers, and then you've got the POS data for transactional data within the stores. So that gives you a diverse carder of just raw transactional data. Married into that, you've also got the sort of, certainly the corporate sales operations of salesforce.com and some other big data providers feeding into this want a better phrase, this data lake or this collection of data. And we're using that cloud construct to take this size of scale, taking this into the cloud to produce and compute a full picture of that, of the data and of the customer base before feeding it back in to their data analytics and data environments. And then other departments are looking at it as well legal department and others to really understand from a compliance point of view how this can be used to provide value going forwards. Okay, so what best practices can we learn from bright color successes? I'm struck that a lot of what we're talking about principles here apply well beyond paint 
apply well beyond manufacturing and consumer goods. Maybe you could talk about some of the principles that other peers can learn from this, what they did right. Oh, absolutely. I think working with Bright Colors actually was very rewarding because we did, like I said before, we've been doing this for a number of years, about 15, 20 years across analytics and just in the development spaces. And working with Bright Colors was very refreshing from a number of points of view. They are truly a refreshing company in their focus, right? The maniacal focus on how to help make and sell paint answering that question almost in every meeting and every day was actually tremendously refreshing. And when you enter these big data projects, keeping your eye on the immediate prize is absolutely key. So breaking it down, breaking the problem set down to the initial pieces of focus and getting the system to work as quickly as possible. So this was a large project and continues to be a large project. But the first piece of value that we really started to look for was less than three to four months in duration to get the system in, the system up and running, all the data loaded, and get that first point of value, which is really focused around that finance analyst and getting the pulling together the data to do that financial reporting and then expanding from there. So that's probably the number one key best practice that we followed. And it was a delight working with Bright Colors in driving it in that manner. Okay, so you need to start small, draw a sharp focus on an achievable goal. This is a a similar theme that we convey in our research and also our consulting services to help customers, help clients really focus on what can be achieved early on because you need that beachhead of success to get demonstrable results to demonstrate to the business so you can get political and budget support to move forward. I assume all that applies here. So what would be some of the criteria that you would give to business or data leaders in order to identify and scope that project number one? So as I work through these projects and as we work through with multiple clients, we really do look for hard definitions. That would be another good point from Bright Colors. They'd already started defining what is a customer. And getting to that, you start to look, I'm a big, have been for a long time, a big agile devotee and scrum devotee. So I like to put everything in the form of a user statement or a user story. And really getting to the people that are going to receive and see the benefit is absolutely crucial. So, for example, at Bright Colors, we're working with some of the finance people, and we come up with a user statement that says, as a financial analyst in Bright Colors, I want to be able to see all the contracts across an organization so that we can consciously choose whether to write a new one or not, and hence increase our ability to sell or make paint, right? And if you really drive it down to that kind of level and talk to the individuals that are going to see this data, going to use this data, that's how you get to those value points and those really critical early points. Because to your point you just made, this builds success, it builds a foundation, and it builds that financial momentum for the project going forwards. These projects are not single start and finish projects, almost ever, because people don't realize what they don't know, right? We often find that 
by answering one set of questions, it leads to the next set of questions. And so these projects evolve and move forwards. And I know it's cliched to say that this is a journey, but Kevin, it really is. I, uh, given our experience here at Eckerson Group, wholeheartedly agree and believe you. So on the, in terms of risk, what could peers, other practitioners in this space learn from their mistakes or potential downfall, I should say potential pitfalls as you engage on a data governance and MBM project? I think the key is that these are not should not be technical projects first. They are technical projects, but mm -hmm. the real key to me is in the data. The data is king. The data describes the business, right? And so between that fundamental understanding and the focus on the small units of value, those to me are the areas where we need to and lead our customers into, right? Which is the data, you never know the data, right? You look at bright colors, they've got, like I said, 40 million accounts. It distills down, well, within that, you've got just over 5 million commercial accounts, right? B2B customers. So if you look at the value and you look at that, the amount of data analysis we do, not just up front, but all the way through, is tremendous to really understand how the way that the business and the way that the culture of bright colors operates drives the nature of the data that we're seeing and then you can start to reverse engineer and drive that you also find that you know working very very closely with the business and with the people that are believed to receive that benefit early is tremendous they don't always know the data as well as it's not really as well as they think they do. It's They've got pockets of knowledge. Everybody knows the area that they grew up in. If you grew up administering or working with the ERP system in North America or South America, you know that very well. As you bring this together, there's the analysis that starts to say, how can we benefit from a higher quality data set? You don't necessarily know all those answers at the beginning. So working with and starting to show people and working through this with the benefit receivers is tremendously important. Okay. So this has been a, a very educational conversation and I appreciate you sharing your perspective. Any final thoughts on the question of MDM, data governance, writing the ship? Professionally like your guidance to start with the, the statement of the user and exactly what they need to achieve in this case, the financial analyst. What do they need to do with the data? kind of working back from that. Any other parting or concluding thoughts? Yeah, so when we look at the need going back to the very beginning of this conversation with the turbulent world that we live in and the need yes. to further drive that intelligence. I mean, what we're really looking at with this kind of data is to go back to some data warehouse type language is clean dimensions to give you that intelligence coming from the information that you've collected and the data that you've collected. We see a, often a very large gap between the data that you have and the information that you need in order to conduct business. And going forwards, that's getting ever more important as we look further, not only to the information we need, but the intelligence that we need, the forward-looking intelligence, 
right? You want to be able to predict. You want to be able to guide a business from a, a information-rich environment and an intelligence-rich environment. And the whole consumer base is getting less tolerant of organizations being slow or badly informed. So having this level of understanding, this focused view of your data, if you like, is absolutely crucial going forwards. So we see as technology evolves, technology continues to move forward, the need is growing, not necessarily MDM. I'm not sure I big the MDM term is necessarily what's going forwards, but the need for intelligence within the information set and the needs for organizations to really make smart, intelligent decisions for how they're going to conduct their business is absolutely crucial. Okay, very good. Dave, thanks again. And thanks to our audience. And look forward to maintaining a future dialogue. Excellent. Thank you, Kevin. Thanks for listening. If you like the podcast, please subscribe. If you want more content from business intelligence to data management to data science, browse to the Eckerson Group website at eckerson.com.